This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Zach Moore. And I'm Haley Stoddart, and hey, guess what? We're back with Mr. Stephen Lance to finish our conversation from last week. That's right, we're back with part two of our Stephen Lance interview. We talk more about his time living with James Doohan while he was working on Star Trek The Motion Picture, his experience on set there, including his makeup and all that good stuff, some anecdotes from on set, uh, his time meeting Christopher Lloyd at a recent film festival, as well as many of the other things that Stephen has been involved in, including books and film festivals and Things of that nature. So here we go. On to part two Energize. Yeah, the great thing about living with Scotty was because nobody, we would just do the voice constantly, him and I, and nobody knew whether it was Jimmy or me in the room. That's not true. I didn't. The most uncomfortable, unusual moment that I've ever had, maybe in my life, was I was in a room watching Star Trek one night with Jimmy. The room is set up, you know, the living room. There's a, there's a couch, a sofa, and then in front of the sofa was a, a coffee table, and then a space, and then the television set. Well, Jimmy was sitting on the sofa by himself behind the coffee table, and, and Monty and I were sitting in front of the table looking at the set. And whenever Scotty came on the screen, Eric, who couldn't even say, say daddy yet, used to say, Dida, Dida. And I told this to my kids when they were little. And to this day, my daughter, who was a dean at NYU University, calls me Dida to this day. And it's because of Jimmy's son. But the weirdest moment was here was Scotty in front of me and Scotty behind me. And I so wanted to turn around and look at the expression on his face. That's all I wanted to see was what was he thinking at that moment, seeing himself on the screen. And it was it was very much like a scene from the movie Targets with Boris Karloff when he is on stage and on the screen at the same time at a drive-in theater with, with, the, with the sniper. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a frightening scene, but it confused the sniper, the shooter, because he saw Karloff walking towards him on the stage in front of the screen and then saw Karloff walking towards him from the other angle on the screen. And then that's how Karloff was able to knock the gun out of his hand with a, with a cane. And it was that kind of a moment when... I was in between the real Scotty and the filmed Scotty, and and it just it was a very, very surreal moment. So you were in 
California to be in Star Trek Motion Picture. What was that like? You know, I mean, how many days were you on set? A, a week of time. First of all, I was known to the to the people, including including Freddie Phillips, Fred B. Phillips, who's the makeup artist, and and Jonna, his his, his daughter, who were doing the makeup, knew me. So when we went there, I think a day or so before the actual makeup and the filming, and 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 met some people, and they knew I was on set. And and when we uh, we got to the the studio, you you're you're in downtown Los Angeles on on heavy traffic street, and you go through the Demille Gate. You know the Demille Gate is the the wrought iron gate. You know, and you you go through Demille Gate. You know they they know Jimmy, so the you know the guard tips his hat. You know, oh please, you know, come on in, and and then you look like you're on a plateau it's like you get off to los angeles and you're on a plateau and it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen and it's this beautiful blue sky and you look like you're a thousand feet up and it's it's a painted wall which they use for for outdoor stuff they, it's it's the it's the building where the props are and the outside wall is painted with clouds and it's you know it's 40 feet long 50 feet long the, the building and then it, the parking, which if there's nothing going on there, you can park, but you have to park down at an angle, a steep angle, because that's where the water tank is that they filled up, where they had oh, the for crash Star Trek scene Four. Yeah. for Star Trek Four. So that's where they filmed that scene there in front of that wall. But in, in my movie, we went. I saw one of the other exterior scenes when he's on Vulcan. And you know how there's that big, they, they have the scene, there's that big statue of the Vulcan hero with the you know, the red kind of, the feet, you know, the yeah, red stone, yeah. the, the feet. So when you walk on the set, the only thing that is there is one foot. That's it. That, that one foot that the Spock stood near for the mm. close-ups that they shot from a high angle and everything else was a, was a matte shot, a glass painting or whatever, oh, you know, the, wow. the statue. It's not all, all, it was just so funny to see a, just a foot, one foot. Out of context, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Way, to, way to ruin the and illusion, course, Steve. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, ruined it, but I remember. I, and I, you know, and there was no, we didn't have cell phones and there was no cameras. I don't have pictures of me on the set or a picture of the right. foot. You know, it's just, it's just, it kills you. The first thing they did was sent, sent me with a, with a little pencil sketch. I, I wish I still had it. It, it might be somewhere. Uh, a Xerox picture that looked kind of like Shatner. That showed the Star Trek official haircut with the pointed sideburns and the and I had long <laughs> yes. hair. I looked like Freddie. Yes. I, when I went to California, I looked like Freddie Prince Jr. Now you can look at you can go to imdb.com and look up Stephen Lance and see me now. But I I looked like Freddie Prince Jr. and and the first thing that the barber does is is cut you know my hair real short hmm. and then uh, then cuts my sideburns the pointed which I was so excited about because now I was going to be able to come back to Freehold, New Jersey, and all my friends would see my pointed sideburns and know that I was in Star Trek. It was so great. Starfleet regulation so, haircut, um, yep. Yeah, the regulation haircut. And I'm now, this is now, I don't know what day of the week, maybe Monday. And like Tuesday, we're going to go for, for costuming and then and then uh, for like makeup, the Wednesday or Thursday. It took a whole week to do this. And uh, I meet Freddie Phillips, and we're going into to do the the makeup for the, the, the scene. And I said, Hey, Freddie, um, can you make me a Vulcan? I have black hair. I got the pointed sideburns. I kind of, I got my, my facial shape is, is the same kind of shape that the Vulcans have. You know, I have a, I have a long face as opposed to a round face. You know, I, I, I could look like a Vulcan. And, and Freddie said, well, we got enough Vulcans for the scene. Uh, you're, you're, you'll be a bump head. And I go, what the hell's a bump head? He said, you are sit down. <laughs> so the first thing he did was shape. 
the first thing they did was shave off my beautiful pointed sideburns, but not just shave them off, all the way to the top of the ear because the plastic had a, the application had a fit around underneath. So I had like no sideburns, which now has been kind of a style for a while. But back then, to have no sideburns, like to the middle of your ear, was like all gone. And then they put on this plastic head, which was not cast for me. I'd love to say that they cast it and molded it, and, and I went through all that procedure. They didn't. They were made for Billy Van Zant, who was Alien Boy. And Van Zant is, is, is Steve Van Zant's brother. And, that's, and I, we met on the set, and he turned out to be from New Jersey, and we, we became very good friends and, and still friends to this day. But um, the makeup that I wore was was not made for my head, but was cast from Billy's mold. So his head's a little bit different shape, a little bit bigger than mine. And it, it just was uncomfortable the whole time. You talk about having to walk in someone else's shoes. Well, I, I had to walk in someone else's head. And, and they, put the, <laughs> the, they put the bald wig on and the, the hair is all, you know, already in the, in the rubber. And then uh, Freddie is going around looking at the makeup, the Andorians, and saying a little more green here. And he's looking at the Vulcans and, you know, make this uh, sideburns a little pointier. The hair, you know, make the bangs, you know, uh, more like uh, page boy. And then uh, he comes to me and said, oh, by the way, uh, bump heads don't have mustaches. And in two seconds, they shaved off my, in two seconds, buzzed off my mustache and then put cake makeup on. Talk about pain. It was like that scene from that other movie, the actor, I forgot it, where they, they actually ripped his hair off. Remember what they were doing, a waxing or something in a film? Oh, and right. They didn't yeah, tell yeah. him. Virgin. Ah, but, Kelly Clarkson. Right. <laughs> right, right. And it was it was that kind of thing where they didn't tell me it was going to happen. And then it just yeah. like, happened. And then they put the makeup on and it, it stung like a son of a gun for right. yow, you know. Now, now so for the for the I, for for the listeners who may not can't visualize what, what a bump head is, they, uh, this character like you, you're talking about uh, you, you used his makeup. Uh, the same mold from it, but this is the guy on the bridge with like the glowing eyes and the bump head and the kind of mullet, and he's like the one guy who like likes Captain Decker. He's like De- Captain Decker worked on this ship for two years, you know. <laughs> so that's the right. guy we're talking about here. Visualize it, folks. That's the guy we're talking. That's the guy we're talking about. You can see me if you go to uh, to the IMDb uh, dot com and Stephen Lance. If you thumb through the pictures, you will see the black and white shot of me. Jimmy and Grace, and it's really special because when they were doing those those publicity pictures, they were in kind of a rush in between scenes, and they wanted to get some publicity pictures. So each of the stars kind of posed with one of the special guests that were in the. In the David Gerald was there. Susan mm-hmm. Sackett was there. You can look those names up if you know. Bill Hickey was there. Yeah. The and, Tribbles and were there. Yeah, the Tribble. So if you uh, uh, Robert Weiss's Bob Weiss, his wife was in the mm-hmm. scene, uh, also. Robert White, you know, the director, Bob Weiss. So each of the stars posed with one of them. But because I was friends with Gracie and and she was friends with Jimmy, when they were taking the picture of me and Jimmy, Gracie was free and says, oh, I want to be in Stevie's picture. And I think I'm the only one that has a publicity picture shot uh, from that scene that has two main cast members. I'm flanked by left and right by. That's awesome. We'll we'll make that the uh, the art for for this week's show so everybody can see it. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. So you'll put that up and everyone will see me. Yes, yes, Uh, absolutely. You can see the difference in my makeup, by the way, Zach, is that nowadays, in that movie, if you look, if you blow it up real big, you can see a bump across the, the ridge of my nose. Because the makeup went from underneath my eyebrow, you know, underneath my where the where the temples of my mm-hmm. uh, by my ear where the sideburns were supposed to be, and then glued in under under my eyes. It was actually glued in underneath my my eyebrow ridge, 
and then across the bridge of your nose, underneath the other eye, and then to the other side. And that's how they thought they could hide the line. And since I didn't have any close-ups except for that shot, it's okay. But they found that that line across that bridge of the nose was still visible no matter how thin they tried to make the, the plastic application. So most of the aliens now, I maybe all aliens, on every show and every movie have some kind of goofy nose. And, and the reason they have this goofy nose is because the makeup goes like mine and then underneath the eye and then around the nose and then up the other side of the nose and then underneath the eye and you never see the line. And that's one of the, the wow, tricks that, that they That's a fascinating visually. point of trivia. I never realized that before, but that would explain the, 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 the bumpy, funny nose of all Star Trek aliens after this in the shows. The nose of the week. So when you watch the film, can can you find can you see you like in the like is, is oh, there yes. is there, oh, yeah, a, is there a way to 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 point you out for all the for all the viewers next time because next time we watch a motion picture we're all gonna be looking for you in that crowd shot so how can we find you Steve? Okay, and <laughs> talk about pointing out. This is it. Now I I am I'm not really a method actor, but but I did something which was not directed, which I was terrified to do because I thought I'd get yelled at and sent home, but actually it, it worked. Uh, my favorite TV show, and, and don't tell the Star Trek fans, Star Trek would probably be second to The Adventures of Superman. I'm very old, kids, and I grew up watching George Reeves and The Adventures Reeves, of Superman. Yep. And, and at the beginning of the show, they go, look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. And one of the guys in the crowd points, you know, points up, and then they, they, they show him flying over the building. So I'm there on a the scene. They're showing us, by the way, while we were there, they showed us some slides of the special effects of what it was going to look like with the V'ger uh, breaking up, you know, breaking up the, uh, the uh, space station. But that was shown on a, on a, on a screen where the, the blue insignia was in front of us. You remember where that blue insignia, you know, it's kind of a, it's not a rectangle, but it's kind of a curved rectangle yes, yes. shape. Yeah. And that's where they showed it. And then we knew what we were reacting to. So we saw that there was, a, and then Bob Weiss said that there's a, uh, you know, a space station is being destroyed by this this uh, alien force that we don't know what it is. So I want you to all now talk to each other like, oh, oh, oh you know, and, and they directed us like that. So while we're watching it, I lean over, you look to the, when you're watching it, to the right-hand side towards the center, and you'll see me, the alien, point at the screen. Like, I lean over to the guy to, like, look at that, and I leaned over. Now, because I'm a good actor, I, I, le- I didn't just point. I leaned over to talk to the guy. By doing that, I blocked my head for the rest of that shot hmm. because, because, I'm a, because I'm an actor, and I wanted to make it – I wanted to emote. <laughs> I wanted it to look like I had a reason. I always have to have a reason to do something, and I did that in a Woody Allen movie. Maybe we'll save that for another show when I'll talk about Woody Allen and how I helped him direct one of the scenes. But I pointed, so you can – Find me pointing, freeze the frame, blow it up, and and see me there in the in the crowd next to a, a Native American. You Star Trek the motion picture. You were you did appear in it. What did you think of it as a film? It was probably the best film ever to come out of Hollywood. Um, well, I Ken will love to hear you say that. <laughs> That's actually Ken's favorite Star Trek film. So <laughs> really, uh, there are people who have comments comments both good and bad about the film some say the fly-through V'ger was too long uh bob weiss robert weiss said i wanted to show you how big V'ger was and the scene by the way does not run as long as you think it does or feel it does and that was his intention and the other thing is people who 
say that William Shatner is not a good actor. I, I, I want to defend Bill as probably one of the greatest actor that I've ever actors that I've ever seen and certainly had the pleasure to work with. And the fact is, watch the scene when Scotty takes him around the refitted Enterprise for the first time. It's called the it's called the flyby sequence. Right. Bill does not utter a word. There's no dialogue in that scene. And you watch his eyes and watch his face. And you know by looking at Bill that he loves this ship. And you tell me that that's not good acting. I was reading your bio. One question I had I wanted to ask you, where did you get your stage name from? Which stage name are you talking about? Stephen Lance? The Heesh or Hirsch? Oh, the Heesh. Yeah. yeah I, right. Oh, that, it says that stage name Heesh. I have to still, I have to, this is the old actor story how actors change their names. Yes. Uh, I was born, I was born uh, Stephen Lance Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H. When I was at college, a girl that I was dating made a needlepoint nameplate for my door that's supposed to have said Hirsch. And because she had never done needlepoint, the, the block letters of the <laughs> R looked like an A. And everybody on my floor called me Heesh. And then when I hosted shows, and and uh, we used to do talent shows, you know, on campus. Uh, the acts might not have been as as good as you had hoped they would be, and and these jocks that were in my wing on, on a campus would yell, "We want heesh, we want heesh," and it just stuck. <laughs> and, and and that's how I that's how I became the heesh. So eventually that that wore off, and uh, and I just used my first and middle name, which I took from uh, and uh, a lesson from Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret's name is Anne Margaret Olson. Spelled very Swedishly with oh, Olsen, oh, oh, you know, if you look it up, and she uses Anne Margaret. So I use Stephen Lance, and it's my legal name. I mean, it was actually changed. It went through oh, a whole okay. gotcha. court, court thing. So it's, I'm actually legally Stephen Lance. Mm-hmm. So well, if you want to use Heesh, if you want to use Heesh or Stephen Hirsch, yeah, you go right ahead. No one's using it. As someone who, who does needlepoint, uh, and I'm still working on my skills, I can totally understand how she tried to do an R and it didn't look like an R. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't go around that, that curve part is hard because they're blocked. You're doing it in a grid, right, Haley? Yep. Yep. You are. Yep. So, and she, and she couldn't figure out how to use it. I mean, she was brand new at it and, and made me a lovely gift and I was proud to put it on my door, but it, it changed my career forever. And, it, and also as someone whose name gets spelled wrong all the time, I, t- yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Right. Uh, Stephen Lance, yeah, it gets spelled right every time. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually, I wanted to ask you about the book that you're working on. I'm I'm really excited when I saw that you were doing about that. I am doing, yeah, I have one book that's out, and if you buy it, you have to buy it on half.com, or I get nothing. There's a book called Written Out of Television, and Written Out is, is a term used in show business where an actor leaves a show and then is replaced, like the Darren Zombie Witch or I have all the Star Trek replacements from the from the original series and from the next generation also, where where one week there would be, a, you know, we called them the Ensign of the Week that was on the Star Trek till, till Mr. Chekhov showed up in the, <laughs> the second season. The guy sitting season. next to Sula, or, right? <laughs> right. And then, and then how come they, you know, how come they changed Darren on Bewitched? And how come Shelley Long left Cheers and replaced her with, with, uh, with how, you know, uh, Kirstie Alley, who, by the way, was in a Star Trek movie. So well, she was, um, was she was in Star Trek? No. Yeah. Yeah, well, never scared. mind. So, so, so that's what that book. That's what. Yeah. So, written out of television is a book that's out there. I don't get anything for anymore. It's out of print. But the book that I'm working on, I, I want to call uh, 
uh, it's called Star. How I Saved Star Trek is the working title, and and I know that that sounds you know tongue in cheek. Uh, it's kind of like what Bill did on that on that uh, History Channel show, How I Changed the World, and, and he right. said at the beginning, it's not it's not really how I changed the world, how Star Trek changed the world, and of course, my role hosting hosting those conventions did have some impact in keeping Star Trek uh, in the in the in the limelight in the new. And I, I did play a, a role, a small part in, in keeping that uh, that fandom alive, and, and I do. But the, the, the real title of the book is probably not going to be that, but it, that's the working title. So the question, and I'm glad you asked it, is if anyone out there has attended those early conventions, and those are fans that are going to be in their, their probably 40s, 50s, 60s even, uh, years old, that attended the conventions back in New York in 1970. Uh, four was my first one, 75, 76, 78, uh, 1980, 1981, 75. Also, we did one in Philadelphia. Uh, I think 77, we did one in Atlanta, Georgia. If anybody out there has attended any of those conventions, I want to talk to you because I, I want to hear what you remember, things that I might have done that were interesting or funny or something that you saw at those conventions that I didn't see because I was on the stage looking out at you, and I want to know what you saw looking at us. and the uh, place to reach me is, is easy. Just go to uh, Stephen Lance at uh, the, the Juno.com. Stephen Lance, S-T-E-V-E-N-L-A-N-C-E at Juno.com. And uh, please write to me, and I will promise to write you back. And if you Absolutely. write you know, me, we, we do have well, a lot of listeners who you know were around in that time period and will probably have some memories about you and the experience there some anecdotes and that would be great to to connect you guys so definitely guys if you uh, like he said if you were at the conventions in the 70s that was a little before me and Haley's time to be honest but if you guys out there were at the conventions in the 70s please get in contact with steve and talk some star trek and hey you might get some anecdotes in a book we'll see have you ever gone to star trek las vegas steve no i i have un- unfortunately have just i it's always conflicting with something that i'm doing uh, you know, a film or a voiceover or rearranging my sock drawer, you know, something is always conflicted and I've not been able to, uh, to make those, but I, it's, it's on my, it's on my, uh, it's on my list. The things that to would, do. uh, you know, that would probably be really quite a great place to possibly meet some of those fans that, that were at those earlier conventions, um, and talk to them face to face just as an idea. Uh, we can talk about that. You guys have a booth there. Why can we can uh, get together and I'll hang we, out? We have the, a uh, we have up. a presence there for sure. We, yeah, we uh, have a presence yeah. there. <laughs> Definitely. Well, then I will. Uh, we'll talk about that for the next one, and let's uh, let's say tentatively, uh, maybe that can happen. There you go, and it's a tax write off because it's for your research for your book, Steve. That's good. If I if I do come to your booth, will I get a ribbon that says guest? We'll, we'll give you a third place <laughs> ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm all right, in. great. Well, Steve, a couple <laughs> things I want to hit on before we wrap it up here. I know for the past few years you've been hosting blocks of films at the Garden State Film Festival in uh, New Jersey, correct? Yes, we, we touched on this earlier. And, and uh, yes, it's the Garden State Film Festival. And I've been doing, doing this for a number of years. I've, I've known these people for a while. But the reason that they finally grabbed me to be on the program was because of the for love of Spock, and they they had that film uh, two years ago, uh, when when uh, Adam Nimoy had finished the film and said, "Would you host this film, and then do a do a program which I named uh, where one man has gone before, and and then did a show after that, uh, talking about the same kind of things we're talking about, and 
some some stories about working on the set and and things Leonard had told me or things that I saw Leonard do and it was a it was very very touching kind of moment uh felt close to Leonard and there I never met Adam but uh, but felt close to his dad again at, at that moment seeing the film and and remembering him like that like I knew him and uh it's a wonderful film I think it's on Netflix now if you haven't seen it please see it please write to Adam Nemoy and tell him how much you love it and uh, it was great. So I got on this, the program for the Garden State Film Festival because of that, and then had been asked to, to come on and host blocks of films. And this past year was really special because I got the pictures not up on my IMDb yet, but uh, there is a picture of me with one of these guest stars that I, that I got to meet. Um, you might remember him as Butch Cavendish from The Legend of the Lone Ranger. Hmm. How about Jim Ignatowski from Taxi? Oh, maybe you know him as Krug from Star Trek Three, uh, Search for Spock. Christopher Lloyd was on the program because Chris uh, made a film just recently, which is gonna, which was shown for the first time at our film festival, and it uh, it's called Making a Killing, and it's a twisted modern day crime mystery uh, based on a true story, and it's really neat. And he came to the convention, and there's a picture of me. Uh, doing the Star Trek uh, hand signal, and I and I wrote an audience. He asked for you know we talked about the makeup. You know we did some had some conversation about you know, putting on that makeup, and and he right. went through of course though he went through the whole process, which I didn't, which was interesting to hear. And uh, I wrote uh, the autograph to him, and I said uh, to Chris, I have not had enough of you. And uh, that's, the, uh, <laughs> that's a great way. That's a great one. That's the autograph I gave Chris. And then he said, uh, you know, uh, Steve, I, uh, I hear you're a voice actor. You do, uh, do voices. Who, who do you do? I said, I do you. And that was a, a part of it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good Christopher Lloyd, too. That's a, that's yeah, a good like, one. Uh, okay, Kirk, I will give you uh, okie dokie. Oh, wait, that's kind of a, it's kind of a taxi. It's crossing uh, the streams there, right? Yeah. yeah cross, <laughs> cross I, I, the streams. <laughs> Don't. Don't cross the don't cross the streams. Don't cross, yeah, don't cross another franchise. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I love I love Christopher Lloyd in Star Trek Three. I, I think that's a very he's a very underrated Star Trek villain, and uh, he's yeah, a great he Klingon. Did. His performance kind of defined Klingons for the rest of the, the the Star Trek. Really, he really was was not not a nice guy, and and uh, that you know even Kirk who he killed Kirk's son, just shows what kind of character, what kind of human being Kirk is. And that even when they were fighting, he wouldn't let him, you know, fall over and grab them to save him. He wouldn't let him go into the pit until he tried to pull him down. And then that's when he used the line that I, yeah, that I, that I kind of uh, copied. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd, he has had so many iconic roles, you know, I mean, you mentioned taxi, obviously back to the future, doc Brown, right. Uh, Judge yeah. doom from who framed Roger rabbit. I mean, he's just, just an iconic right. presence. And so his star Trek role really kind of falls on the wayside a lot, but it, it's great that, you know, he, he's still out there talking yeah, about it. You, I, get, you I got a chance to, him, to meet him. Well, one about the star Trek role, I said, oh, by the way, Chris, uh, you know, I, I hosted the original conventions and if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be working. Oh, thanks a lot for that. Uh, yeah, I uh, appreciate that, uh, Steve. But he was so nice and so quiet and and uh, just gentlemanly. I can't tell you. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect uh, meeting this larger than life character. And he was 
so gracious. We're at we're at the cocktail party where they were doing the red. I don't know why they made the red carpet the same night as the cocktail. There's a giant room when when all the the celebrities are there doing red carpet, and then there's like the high level fans that have paid you know the access to come there, and they have hors d'oeuvres and circulating food, and and every time Chris went to put an hors d'oeuvre in his mouth they would call him over. Oh, Chris, we, Oh, Oh, here's up, up, you know, Xander Berkeley's here. We need a picture of Xander. And like, he, I don't think he ate anything that whole night. And it was just, I felt bad. He was so, so gentlemanly. So I, I got to talk to him and I told him about one of my favorite roles, two things. One, my daughter as a kid said that when they did the inspector gadget film, she thought that Christopher Lloyd would have been a better gadget. And I told him that. And he said, that's very interesting. He hadn't thought of that. He says, yeah, he says, yeah, I could see that. I, I could have seen how I would have done that role, you know? And then I said, one of his other famous roles to me was that he was the scientist responsible for the graboids. If you saw the very short lived sci-fi channel tremors. Oh yes. He, oh yeah. <laughs> he was on that. So he, he smiled broadly that because they only made like nine episodes. It was so expensive. They, they were on, then they were off for two weeks, and they were on again. And the show just never, just never, not didn't catch on. It just was too expensive or too difficult to, to produce those. But he was, he was very pleased to know that, that I, I saw him in that role and that I appreciated his work in the role. And I, I said, yeah, to me, you know, I know everybody's going to say, oh, I loved you on Taxi. I know you were Doc Brown. I said, I'm shaking hands with the guy that invented the graboids. That was cool to me. So no, actors really um, appreciate that when you when you zero in on something they're not as well known for. Uh, yeah, because I, I didn't do it, because I didn't oh, do it yeah, Back to the Future, Martin, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Michael J. Fox. He's a great guy, right? It's like the same questions right, right. all the time. I, yeah, I didn't do it to impress him. I did it because I, I really love Tremors, and I'm very disappointed they were Kevin. Ke, Kevin uh, uh, was trying to Bacon. make. A, 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 he was trying to bring the film back, and they were going yeah. to do it. They were going to do it, and they, and they and canceled it. Yeah, it, just recently. I know. I, I just got the note from somebody, and I said, "Are you are you kidding me?" You know, because that would have been. I just would. I was already tuned in. I was already tuned in. You know, wait, waiting for it to to come on. You know, so you, you just never you never know. Anyway, so the film festival that I hosted then and met Chris Lloyd is doing another one. They've done it for for you know, how many years already this year was a 16th annual. So next year's 17th annual. And I will again be hosting films and they're already, if you have filmmakers out there people that, that are doing independent films, uh, music videos, even writing original music composed for film, uh, they are already uh, taking, uh, taking entries. So uh, look for the garden state film festival uh, online at the www. I guess you don't have to say that anymore. Uh, GSFF garden state filmfestival.org and uh and find out uh, how you can submit your film for uh for consideration uh in the upcoming festival and i'll be there hosting it and maybe get to host your film okay hey that's real good if people want to attend the, the festival uh please know that it that it's coming up uh of march uh, 2019 in as in asbury park new jersey which is where bruce springsteen first played at a club called the Stone Pony. It's a standing room only kind of club. And uh, I hope to see you there uh, March 28th through 31st and maybe introduce one of your films. Okay, that's the, uh, that's the plug uh, that I got in. The, the other <laughs> thing that I'm doing, the other thing that I'm doing is that uh, I'm working with the, uh, uh, the studio that I work for, or not work for, uh, that I do a lot of the voice work in, uh, is now starting a second uh, arm 
called the Jam Room Communications. Uh, the studio is called the, the 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 Jam Room Music Complex, and they record bands. And they've got a, an amazing studio with with the Newman. Hello, Newman. U U eighty seven U sixty seven microphones. They're the, they're the I've never sounded so good. It's the same microphone, by the way, that Mark Hamill uses when he records the Joker voice. I think he's done that for a couple of years now, one or two years. He's been doing that. Yeah, and, 25, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 25. My gosh. Anyway, uh, the microphone that he uses for those animations is the same microphone that I get to use. So I never, I never have sounded so good as I, as I sound in the, the jam room. And they're starting this jam room communications, and I'm going to be the lead a voice, meaning when somebody wants a commercial, I'm the first one that they're going to think of to do uh, narration, straight narration, character voices. And uh, of course, we're building a stable of voices. And I'm pleased to say that one of my friends for years, uh, actually, she's my uh, ex-wife, uh, is going to be doing voices, Lori Draz. And uh, Lori and I uh, were married, actually, uh, 300 and, uh, I don't know, 372 times, I think. Three. So that that's a fascinating number. Uh <laughs> <laughs> 370 now you have to you can't just leave that out there you gotta explain that now steve uh okay so Lori and i were not really married 372 times and when we do it together on stage she corrects me and says you know 373 you know we'll always change the number up Lori and i work together at a radio station in by the way beautiful asbury park new jersey in downtown asbury park new jersey like beautiful downtown burbank and whenever they needed a husband and wife voice for commercials it was always Lori and i so we did that many commercials we lost count how many we did like uh, hey honey have you seen my golf clubs oh and then she'd, she'd be the smart one always oh go to golf world golf world has a sale you know and, and we would do that so that's the gag that we were married so Lori is going to be the, the the female <laughs> the first female voice in the in the in the troupe and and she's just marvelous and uh, we we are as close as you could be probably without actually having been married that well, that's great. Years. You guys have that rapport and, uh, and history working together. You know, I'm sure that brings a lot to yeah, any it, project. It does. It makes it so easy when you step up to the microphone. We know each other's timing and, and don't step on lines or step on each other's lines when you have to, which is sometimes very funny. And, and she's, got, she's got a great sense of timing. Well, Steve, this has, been, this has been a lot of fun. Are there any final words you want to leave, leave the listeners with? I know we have our call to action for anyone who attended conventions in the 70s, but anything beyond that you want to leave us with as we wrap it up? Well, here nothing... Well, you know, I could I could use the goofy thing and they'll say, you know, live long and prosper and you have been and always shall be. But really what I want to just say is is thank you uh, to you, uh, to the to the fans that, that keep this show alive, that I get to uh, touch every once in a while, like uh, like hosting the film that Adam made and getting to meet Christopher Lloyd. I, I could not do this uh, without your love and, and constant support of this little movie that we did called Star Trek, the motion picture. And, Thank you for for remembering me and thinking about me. Uh, do stay in touch. If you've been to one of those conventions, get in touch with me. And uh, just thank you. That's probably all I want to say humbly. All right. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking to Stephen Lance and reminiscing about the good old days of Star Trek conventions and Star Trek motion picture over the last couple of weeks. But that's not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks. I wouldn't say it's totally different, but I would say there's some difference to it. Uh, 
you know, I did see some elements that reminded me of the trouble with troubles. And yeah, you know, certainly I might in a piece of the action. I can see that too. It does have that comedy element, just like those episodes do. But I think this is, this takes it a little further and is a little more mm. slapstick. Uh, yeah. Very slapstick. So, um, <laughs> But again, there's certain tones and certain elements that do remind me of those other those other episodes. So, warp five. I do want to mention also that uh, just something that this this came up when I was working on Nights of the Living Dead. George Romero hated the word zombie and didn't think of his creatures as zombies. But um, yes, and and it's one of the reasons why there's only some overlap between what we saw in Nights of the Living Dead and everything you just described from from West African and and Caribbean folklore. Because of that, the, the, the two, basically, you kind of got, you know, undead peanut butter and zombie chocolate, and you wound up with what everybody now thinks of as zombies. Meta Trex. Just imagine the worst case scenario that could happen, and, and look at all the bad things that have happened in history, and then you realize, hey, even if the, if the worst possible scenario unfolds, that's not too bad in the grand scheme of things right here in the present. I was going to say, some people read Marcus Aurelius, Riker goes to the holodeck. The 602 Club. I, I definitely agree. I thought that the writer did a great job of portraying Han. And Han's a hard character to nail down. Because mm-hmm. I think he I think it was really hit and miss in the old legend stuff with Han. There were some books that really glorified him as a character and tried to turn him into something that he wasn't. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you, as always, to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. Norman C. Lau, Nicholas Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. Thank you so much, guys. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. Yes, (laughs) and use the hashtag TrekTuesday. 
So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.